the sense that I get looking in from the outside is that uh, building leaders, um, rounding them out with real life experiences, um, getting them mentorship, things like that really open the horizons of, of a person. And I wish that I had some of that access, some of that ability to not be so laser focused on assignment A versus assignment B and instead hone my skills of curiosity more. This season provides a wealth of information. You get to know the expertise behind the Shasha Network. Today's episode is all things tech. Have a question about data, machine learning, or putting on your analytical hat? We might address that for you. Our guest today loves learning how people interact with technology. The small bumps they hit that should have been ironed out. The half smiles when something is easier or works better than they expected. Data, tech, you name it. He has his thinking hat on with solutions for your data snags. Indra is a co-founder of Scribble Data, a data analytics solution company that helps businesses channel their data, tools, and people for maximum analytic mileage. That's quite a handful. He's led large teams delivering analytic solutions at a Canadian bank, but now melds his interest in analytics with a softer aspect of how people fall in and out of love with technology and how they can build solutions that sustain. Indra gives insight on how we can use our curiosity around technology to understand it for our betterment. So Indra, thank you so much for taking time out to be a part of the Shasha Voices podcast. Um, Welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, Thank you for having me. All right. So just like most virtual spaces um, we've adapted to, we always have an icebreaker to let people know what you're about and, you know, who you are. So, Indra, if you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be and why? Instagram. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I eliminated successfully um, all other forms of social media. I eliminated Facebook and I eliminated um uh what was it uh eliminated uh looking at uh, uh there were these couple of other other networks that i was on eliminated well twitter i have an account but i don't use it often um and i found that it freed up my time immensely to not have to engage in back and forth on certain things because there, there are phases of your life where um you're better served being a sponge an observer a learner um then you are pontificating on everything and I found that just having access to those social networks would um, sort of yeah. give me the burden of, uh, hey, so how are you contributing? Are you just lurking or are you contributing to the conversation? Unfortunately, all of those conversations would devolve quickly because you don't always reach the audience that, that needs to hear what you have to say. Um, with Instagram, though, uh, I joined it as a valve because I, I realized that moments were fleeting and uh, wanted to capture whatever I could about my own moments, share that with loved ones. But that quickly spiraled out of control. It is now sometimes a source for my news. It is now sometimes a source for my vigorous debates with people uh, about issues that get shared just like any other social media platform. And I think it just points to a larger trend. All social media eventually devolves because the people that are using it are not evolved. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, that's super interesting because for the most part of this year, or at least for the last quarter, I've been meeting a lot of people who are either not on social media completely or are sort of just trying to reduce their time on there because they're like, there's not much value that's being added in terms of like the time they spend um, 
just scrolling through and it's almost addictive. So um, the amount of the more time you spend um, scrolling through social media and just looking for information or not even just engaging and just lurking, as you mentioned, it, it takes away from, you know, what you're supposed to be doing or just maybe just taking a lot of time from being present or in the moment for the most part. So there's, that's there's, there's, there's definitely that too, which is there's no shortage of information around us. Right. And the way that information is designed right now, it is designed to capture as much attention, both, you know, um, number of eyeballs, as well as the length of time that an eyeball spends on it. And um, right. I, you know, I was being a little harsh when I said people are not evolved. That's primarily because I was pointing that finger at myself. I was saying that I haven't evolved to be able to make <laughs> the best use of this. Um, and yes, I, 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 I play the role of lurker. I play the role of the, the addict that is, that just can't seem to either put it down long enough or, or needs to find a refresh uh, to see who has said what new thing on, 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 on a particular topic or where somebody's life journey has taken them. Whereas it is not germane to most of the things that I have to do. And there's so many other priorities competing. So it's not that I spent too much time on Instagram. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's 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 very manageable, <laughs> but relative, if, if I had to eliminate something, yes. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Thank you so much for that. So, tell us more about yourself and the work that you do. Happy to. So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of my identity, um, um, ordinarily would have come from the work that I do, like like you've asked. Um, but I find that I'm at this neat intersection where. Um, I allow for a few different identities to coexist. The the one that's closest to my heart is um, parent to my two dogs, two senior dogs. And uh, another identity is the sum of what I like to do outside of work, and which is be mediocre at a bunch of different interests and uh, appreciate those that have taken those interests to a high level, whether it's, uh, you know, dabbling in music, whether it is uh, very interestingly card magic. I, I'm a sucker for, for card card tricks and, and card magic. Oh. So uh, the, um, I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, and I enjoy a little bit of theater as well. These are some of my interests outside of work, but <clears throat> when it comes to work and um, a lot of, a um, lot of our time growing up studying has all prepared us for, uh, for moments where we we think that we are going to get into jobs or we're you know we're going to make such and such difference in in the corporate world, um, I realized early that um, that I wanted to be able to sort of create as much value as I could by myself. So both the the uh, take take the risk and and the downside would be mine but if there was any reward to be created that upside would also be mine because there are so many other ingredients along that journey I and mean, so many other ingredients that make up that final dish that that sort of a, an outlook um, was completely fine no matter how you know on on bad days how dismal it looks and even on good days there's an equanimity that says uh, some of this is transient, but everything along that path is just so enjoyable. And I'll be happy to talk about what those things along that path are. Um, right. What I haven't touched upon is the nature of what I'm doing right now. So very quickly, I am one of the mm -hmm. founders of a company called Scribble Data. Scribble, just like you imagine, like being able to scribble with a pen or a pencil. And data, because uh, that's the at the core of what we do, which is we uh, enable businesses to 
address difficult data problems where they have to take complicated decisions and how they can better use data to be able to do that. So we're a software company that builds uh, fairly cutting edge products that allow businesses to, to use their data and, and make uh, better predictions, better decisions that will, that will further their cause. Okay, so I'm curious though, why tech? Why not something like economics or even medicine? Why did you delve into sort of just getting into the tech aspect of things? I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm an accumulation of all my past experiences. So when you, when, when I started out, I'm, you know, I'm from India, I, there, and, and the generation that I was, that I'm a part of, the, the onus was still very much on, um, on us to be able to do one of those, those standard things, right? The, the medicine on the one hand, law on the other, and engineering on the third. For me, I felt like uh, <clears throat> uh, medicine was, I was never cut out of medicine, but uh, of, of the softer skills, I always felt that if I spent time studying technology, studying uh, the sciences, studying math, um, I would always have the opportunity later to come back and examine um, softer fields of education, the fine arts and, and, and all of those. Um, but if I missed the opportunity to study the, the technical stuff, then there would be a slew of opportunities that work-wise that I would never be able to take, take advantage of. Whereas not the case, I, I felt uh, in, in, in error, I felt that if I ever wanted to, to switch streams um, to say, you know, doing something with, with an English literature degree or something, I could potentially come back to school yeah. and, and get that. But I potentially could not reverse uh, some fundamentals in the sciences and in math if I decided that's where I wanted to go down. All of these assumptions, Savannah, are all wrong. I realized later. I've seen plenty of people uh, traverse seamlessly between starting with fine arts and moving to the sciences and, and the other way around. So, but it was my naive mental model. But after I'd invested all of that time studying the sciences and technology, doing my engineering, it only made sense that I would get a job that was related to it. That was the easiest way. And I found myself getting into uh, technology roles one after the other. And when that happened, I realized that I had uh, I had a level of curiosity about technology and how it was shaping the world around me, that it, it seemed to fuel me as opposed to say that, you know, I was doing this despite uh, other opportunities or I was doing this with some protest uh, that I was doing, you know, following a uh, technology career under some sort of, uh, as a part of a, my struggle. No, I found that I was actually genuinely interested in how technology changes the world, how people adopt technology, um, how they discard it, why they discard it, and what could be made better about technology in various aspects. Um, so as a consequence of having studied and then start, starting to work here, curiosity developed, and eventually all of that basically culminated in today running a technology company. Well, it must have been a strenuous journey of, you know, sort of just love hate with like learning about it and sort of just developing your skills in it and then sort of just applying it in the real world. How how was that journey like? Did you did you enjoy it? Were there times when you thought you'd give up or how is it? How is it? It's um I wouldn't say I was a naturally gifted student. I was a um I didn't enjoy um I didn't enjoy subjects like chemistry. I, in fact, I, I, I had a distaste for it with 
very very strong distaste for it it did not come naturally to me biology it was again didn't come naturally to me there was lots to lots to learn lots to 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 memorize only then once you had a solid foundation built only then could you innovate and think about new things in that space so these things didn't come easily to me at all um so even when i was doing my electrical engineering i found that some of the uh, the mandatory course requirements in chemistry to begin with and and later some of the advanced math um i had to work really hard to hold on to a scholarship or whatever it was just keep my gpa just above that level and um, i didn't enjoy it yeah. and at during those times i would look around i was i was lucky enough to be at a university that had incredible fine arts programs i would just look at the the richness of some of the courses being offered in literally like the next classroom and i only wished that i had that um that i had taken some of those courses myself um in hindsight now you know being having left university in, in the in the review mirror a long time ago i realized that my grades wouldn't have suffered any more had i actually left this classroom gone and sat at that other classroom and got some knowledge and what not but at that time when it's so front and center and you're thinking about gpa and you're thinking about scholarship and and the jobs that come after it you're just very focused on on the one thing and there's nobody there to tell you that it's all going to be okay in the future don't worry I think I can definitely relate with that situation because I've been in a space where I had just finished or I just graduated from my computing degree and I started looking at other degrees and saying, "Oh wow, I think I'd have been in a better place had I studied this, had I studied that." But in hindsight now, maybe like a year later, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, "Okay, it's good that I did my computer science degree because I'm looking at so many facets that i could get into so many industries i could apply my skills into and you know i could definitely grow within the spaces that i'm in and it didn't have to sort of just stem from the degree that i did but i'm grateful that i did my tech degree my tech based degree wonderful one other thing that i learned along my journey and i don't know if you'll find resonance with this was because it's been so many years later there comes a quickly there comes a point in time where nobody's any asking you for that uh gpa anymore they're not asking you exactly about the subjects that you took yeah and they're not asking you about uh your in-depth understanding of such and such assignment from such and such advanced computing course um and uh so what instead they are interested in is your curiosity about the world your aptitude to learn new things yeah. um your ability to to relate to people your ability to stay on top of uh of trends in that in the in the line of work that you are in um and if and if you're able to put all of these things together neatly into a package that makes you from the perspective of either employment or entrepreneurship very very attractive and a very suitable candidate to be able to do this but um unfortunately the way that a lot of our success is measured is through a very um it's through a different ladder different progression of ladder there are certain courses there are certain grades that one focuses on and there is no uh, there's no system that actually rounds you out in the way that will actually make you successful later those are skills that you have to continue to pick up even later on in life and sometimes you're amazed that you weren't taught these things earlier um so you know when i hear about places like alu uh, and a few others um uh, the sense that i get looking in from the outside is that uh, building leaders 
uh, rounding them out with real life experiences, um, getting them mentorship, things like that really open the horizons of, of a person. And I wish that I had some of that access, some of that ability to not be so laser focused on assignment A versus assignment B, and instead hone my skills of curiosity more. Okay, okay. Thank you so much for that. So um, with all that said, you know, you've talked about how you got into the tech, how you got interested into tech, why, you know, you sort of just didn't deviate to other sort of courses and, you know, how did your journey throughout your career lead you to finding uh, or founding um, Scribble Data? Like how, how did Scribble Data come, up, come about at some point? Did you just wake up and say, you know, I have an idea, I'm going to sort of implement it over this amount of time or has it been something that's been budding throughout and, you know, you've been working, you've been working towards it and finally it came to fruition? Yeah, no, so I, I did one day wake up and, and have an idea and I did yeah. think that, oh, this, this, this is going to be incredible. And so I actually founded a startup to try and build out that idea. I, uh, I, I had saved up some money from a previous job that I'd worked really hard at. And uh, then on the power of that idea, I was able to bring some people on board and, uh, and you know, sharing with them my vision of where I wanted this idea and consequently the company to go. So I did all of that. But uh, that startup crashed and burned spectacularly. It, uh, yeah, it didn't make it anywhere. And <laughs> that's when I realized that um, I that there are many forces that go into making um, a successful startup, a successful company, a successful business. Um, definitely, the idea is part of it. The but but among the many other ingredients that are that are crucial to it is how are you what is your competitive advantage to execute on that idea what is your depth of motivation to ensure that you can actually see this through because there will be dark days there will be days when that idea some of its assumptions will fall apart um, the way that you visualize it it's not going to turn out in exactly that shape and form. And should you want it to turn out in that shape and form, you need other resources, you need people, you need you need money, and maybe none of that is available. What is the depth of motivation that you have that will allow you to keep plodding through those days as well? And sometimes, um, well, sometimes you definitely need luck along the way. Uh, people tell you otherwise, I think you should uh, take that with a grain of salt. But you also need to find uh, something from your own experience that you can uh, build a solution for some an itch that you yourself want to scratch because if you can do that that answers a little bit of the question about depth of motivation the other things that you need uh, along the journey are um, uh, a support support from uh, near and dear ones um, because there will be it, it will it will be dark for many, many days. Even even when you think you've made it, there will come suddenly a, you know, a force from from left field will will knock you on your back, and you wouldn't have realized it. On all of these days, if you're trying to do this alone, meaning if you don't have the support of family and friends around you, that's going to be difficult. Uh, you also need a co-founder. You also need somebody else who um, who vibes well with you because that, in, in my own experience, there are going to be days where. I am low about 
the prospect of, of the business and where it's headed. Um, and I need my co-founder to help me snap out of it and vice versa. It helps if, if you aren't, if you are on opposite cycles, because uh, you want to uh, establish some level of, of you know, a, a level-headed uh, sort of a direction to the company. So if you guys are on opposite polarity, sometimes that's very, very useful uh, to be able to, you know, cheer the other person up and they're down and to have them cheer you up when you, when you are. Uh, so yeah, these are a few of the, the the various ingredients that I found necessary, and not just the idea. Yeah. So how do you think the evolution of technology, in a sense, when you're looking at things such as AI, Chat Chat GPT, and what have you, um, how do you think this evolution has impacted the job market as well as the human ability to do more for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think uh, for the most part, history is a good. Uh, predictor of the future, uh, for the most part, but uh, we'll we'll get to where some there are some discontinuities. So every time you've had um, situations like uh, you know electricity uh, being in some sense discovered, but then many of the, the machinery uh, required to be able to generate electricity being invented, you've had people worry initially dismiss it, but then later worry about what it might do for their, for their, for their jobs. And you can imagine so many, so many pieces of work today happen using machines that just weren't possible before electricity was around. Um, when, the, when the cars first came around, uh, they were actually called horseless carts uh, because that was the world that people knew. Uh, the fact that they had, they had carts, they had horses, and then there was this newfangled thing that, that seemed to move by itself, so it's, it's horseless. They weren't thinking necessarily in terms of what the extent to which this technology would suddenly take over their lives, and soon people started thinking about them as different entities, as cars, and nobody at that yeah. point, at that time, was thinking about, you know, how many more horses should I buy, or, uh, or anything of that nature. Right. We are at a point in time right now where um, AI, uh, AI actually in some sense has been around for, for more than 50 years, uh, at least the notions that underlie AI. The moment we are witnessing right now is where a lot of those ideas have come together with uh, people that are skilled in executing those ideas and uh, technologies, literally hardware that is powerful enough to be able to run those ideas uh, at scale. And so now you have emergent technologies like, you know, you briefly mentioned chat GPT, which is trained on, on loads and loads of data to be able to finally make what looks like very intelligent uh, recommendations or write poems and things like that. Right now, the, um, I'll say two things about uh, technology changing uh, the way we work. Yeah. For, for the most part, over the last 30 years, technology changes have been uh, have happened in 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 spikes and then in increments. So one of the spikes that you'd recognize is uh, uh, you know the when the personal computer came around, um, people thought it was a, a nifty little thing, but they didn't think anybody actually needed one at home. Soon, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah they, soon that changed. Uh, later, the internet came around. People didn't know exactly where this was going to be used, but today you can't. It's, it's literally a fundamental right for human beings, uh, as, as I think that the United Nations has defined it, to have access to the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, when the first smartphone came around, it looked, it looked really cool, but you didn't imagine that you needed it. And now today, um, you know, people use those less 
as as telephones, but much more as everything else, their personal computer in their palm. We are, and, and so at every step, uh, people have looked at these and said, all right, I can see how there are going to be additional efficiencies in what I'm going to do. And for the most part, people have moved along that value chain and said, all right, I need to upskill myself to the next level of things such that this new piece of technology aids me in doing this new thing that I'm going to start doing in a way that is more efficient. If today one just sits and imagines that one's going to be, be a telephone operator, um, it's uh, it, that, that career is a non-starter. And we are at one of those moments yet again where um, today chat GPT allows you to, you know, write a poem for my dog in the style of Shakespeare or solve this algebraic problem and <laughs> my, teach my kid how to do it. Um, right. And if, you, if you're looking at that and imagining that that is the extent to which uh, this revolution is, is taking place and that it really has no import on your life, I think you need to look right. deeply again because the pace at which uh, the, the large language models, which is the technology underlying chat GPT, uh, the pace at which that's improving is so, so rapid yeah. that in six months, uh, in, in in six months, the ways that many people do their jobs today is going to change drastically. In two years' time, many white-collar jobs will actually will, will, will evolve into something entirely different, something unrecognizable today. And if you aren't asking those questions about what does that mean if you're a white-collar job holder and you're, if you aren't asking those questions about what that future might mean for your own career, uh, you might be short-sighted. So there's a, a big change coming, uh, in my view. And the best thing that we can do is keep abreast of it and continue to ask the question about what this means for our own job functions, where we're going to find efficiencies, where we're going to find that we are becoming redundant. And so what other things, what sliver of things should we look at that we will always be better skilled at doing even even more so than where this technology can end up. And in order to do that, you really need to have your pulse on this technology and follow it closely. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So um, with that said, this season, we're celebrating the wealth of wisdom that is our team at Shasha. So. We would like to know, the audience would like to know, what about the Shasha Network enticed you to join the mission and how does it align with your values and goals? Thanks for asking. So <clears throat> I think uh, two things drew me to, to Shasha. One was this underserved need, you know, and I was alluding to it in my own educational journey, which is there are certain things that uh, a traditional education prepares you for. Some of the basics about how you can problem solve in the future, apply rational thinking, right. logical thinking, apply uh, your knowledge of history, your knowledge of, of uh, how the world works in your mental model of, of geography, of, uh, of understanding biology, and, and various other things that just allow you to get by and problem solve and, 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 and do certain things. What the traditional system doesn't teach you is, um, is where the world has progressed, who the great people were, what mistakes they made, um, what one can learn about what it means to build enterprise, what it means to be a good human being, do good for others, actually have impact on this yeah. planet. Um, so it's one thing to have the skills to be able to problem solve. It's another thing to have access to opportunities, uh, the, have that drive, that motivation, and the, the confidence that allows you to start taking on bigger problems than what somebody hands to you in the form of a job. So when right. I looked at what Shasha was, was doing, bridging that mm -hmm. gap, uh, 
between what's taught at a school and the 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 ocean of opportunities that any young person actually has when in that formative stage of their development um i was i was thinking to myself i wish i had something like this growing up i wish i had this kind of uh, mentorship delivered to me and right. uh, and uh, and this ability to network with other people as well because um it, these soft skills you just just not going to encounter them in school unless you actually keep a year out you i mean you'll encounter them tangentially but it's not formally taught to you you'll encounter it when you're playing a team sport at school and you'll pick up some of those skills but it's not what you're looking out for it's not what you're measured on um and for shasha to be able to deliver this in in bite sized digestible ways that young le- young future leaders can can address this it was missing from my own life and i thought that that was a wonderful mission the second reason i i i wanted to get involved with shasha was obviously farai who i um who i think is 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 an amazing leader with a with not just his heart in the right place but also a deep curiosity intellect and a great sense of purpose for actually effecting change for young people just like he himself yes. has been he really wants to pass that on um so these two factors are yeah. more than enough reason for me to uh, look at shasha and say you know how best can i contribute yeah yeah i i actually agree with you 100% on that point about farai farai has been brilliant from the day i met him um we met in uni and for the most part he was always that guy you would go to if you needed like insight or you know you needed um to answer particular questions and you didn't know how, how exactly to articulate yourself he's always been that support um system or that front that you could sort of just rely on when it comes to critical thinking problem solving and he always had a knack for sort of just sharing his wisdom so i i wouldn't i i didn't look past him once he said he has a network or an organization called shasha that sort of just embodies what we need to be doing for the future generations in terms of education so yeah <laughs> he's a brilliant human being yeah and and helps that he's also a nice guy to boot yeah yeah <laughs> so um on top of that you've been identified as quite the connoisseur in business intelligence so tell us more about what business intelligence is and why it's important in shaping um the future of soft skills and lead generations in the tech industry i think um even in in real time i'll sort of uh amend business intelligence i think i'll try and marry it to what what consumes me today what what is my my sort of my driving passion so um you know today companies have troves and troves of data they understand their they have a sense of what their customers are up to they have a sense of how the world is operating they have economic data they have uh data about their customers they have data about um uh about about finance they have data about uh health all the data today is not a problem to be able to access data is not a problem the question is how are companies making the best use of this such that they can take thought through well considered decisions about where their businesses need to go next now if you have a right. i mean if you all of this obviously applies a very capitalist lens on on the world which is that the the business of an enterprise is to make revenue create jobs um hopefully do some do do this while doing some good for the larger larger planet right um right, yeah. in this situation when they're looking at data to be able to help figure out what their next steps should be there's a lot of places where 
this process can can go wrong. Sometimes the data is is very messy. Um, everything from as simple as there being typos in in names to um, to just being for just to to information about financial transactions being wrong. To, to fraudulent information being slipped into data. There are many, many problems with data. So a lot of businesses struggle with fully putting their confidence into data, fully embracing where uh, the latest and greatest technologies can take them. So uh, today in using data, uh, I think you know most of the listeners on the, of this podcast will be familiar with with machine learning which is a way of taking these past amounts of data and applying math on it applying statistical models on it to be able to make better predictions about the future so every time you book an uh, a cab right if you use uber or one of those ride hailing services the fact that it can spit out a price for you in seconds of what that ride will cost you it's doing that because in, in almost in real time, it's computing how far you want to go. It's computing the direction you want to go and the supply of cabs that are available. It's computing what is the current level of demand for these cabs uh, in and around you. It's computing whether or not that cab driver is likely to go in this direction. Um, uh, is, is, that, is that a ride that they would enjoy, the, the cab driver themselves? It's right. doing all of this and also then sp and then spitting out a number, but it also has to constrain that number. It can't just spit out a very high number because then it'll know um, through experience that that is when you will switch to another a, a competing app because you will not like that number. So they have to constrain it and, and do that. And all of this is possible because underlying all of that all of these different variables is a machine learning model that's making sense of the world using all this data and then spitting out that prediction. So all this to say, uh, the amount of technology that's actually available to, to businesses to be able to harness their data and make better decisions. This was an example of a consumer finally making a decision, but businesses can make strategic decisions too, like where do I open the next branch of my bank? How much inventory as an e-commerce company should I hold in my warehouse? How should I price... Uh, these various financial products if I want most more people to buy or should I price them differently if I want just a few people to buy but for me to make the maximum margins on them all of yeah. these decisions are fueled by data and companies would do well to embrace uh, some of these technologies it is my work to be able to build these technologies and then make them uh, appealing enough uh, to businesses such that they can see the value of embracing these technologies, adopting them, and actually finding returns on their investment. Okay, okay. Those are so many gems that you put in there. <laughs> and I really appreciate how in-depth you're getting into these responses. But, you know, unfortunately, we have to end the podcast um, episode. And for us to finish it, I would love to know what advice you would give to your, to your younger self. Um. I think the advice that most strongly resonates with me, it, it depends on at, at what age, but let me pick the age of some of the Shasha on boardies, right? Some of the students that okay. use the Shasha program. Um, the advice I'd, I'd give to that young person is develop your skills for listening because this will serve you, uh, it, it will give you Two great outcomes. One, it will allow you to continue to remain curious and to continue to learn about various topics that you didn't know you had an interest in. So if you're listening, you will discover uh, nuggets there that might 
kindle your interest the second thing that listening allows you to do is to develop that kind of actionable empathy for the people around you and as you develop that empathy you will find a way to increase your interpersonal skills your increase your emotional quotient and the way you relate to people because it at one level it does it you know technology can only take you so far uh business still happens between people so uh as you think about how you can best seize the world focus on listening Hey, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us so much insight and that very useful piece of advice. I mean, we appreciate you taking time out, you know, to sort of just get onto the podcast and, you know, talk more about what you do about scribble data and you know sort of picking your opinion on, you know, um the AI and the evolution of tech. We do appreciate it and we don't take it for granted that you took time out to join us today. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure that you listened to me. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. A very big thank you to Indra for gracing us with his nuggets of knowledge today. If there's anything I've gotten from this session that would relate to all levels of your career is always want to better your skill for listening. That way you learn more, understand more, and even do more with intention. Other than that, for more information on Indra's company, Scribble Data, you can find them on scribbledata.io and you can find Indra on LinkedIn as well. Now that he mentioned he wouldn't be spending as much time on Instagram. Shasha Networks aims to close the career aspirational gap for young people across the world that has attracted individuals from all walks of life and diverse professional backgrounds. At the core of what brings us together is our shared passion for supporting young people to discover their purpose and reach their fullest potential. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Spotify for exclusive access to the wealth of wisdom we have in store for you this season. Shasha Voices unlocking the next generation's fullest potential. See you next episode.